Bill, why does a chicken cross the road? That was no chicken. That was my wife. Can you stop that, Harry Hirschfield? Aye. Can you, Senator Ford? I might. And you, Joe Laurie Jr.? Maybe. Those expedient exclamations introduced the pint-sized author comedian, Joe Laurie Jr., the popular after-dinner speaker and current topic humorist, Senator Ford, and the well-known columnist, cartoonist, and after-dinner speaker, Harry Hirschfield. These effervescent emas of entertainment bring you another session of Can You Top This? with the best wishes of Kirkman Soapflakes. And here's that enchanting exponent of elegant English, Roger Bauer. Good evening. By this time, I'm sure you all know that the top rule of can you top this is keep them laughing. I'll explain the other rules before the Kirkman laugh meter goes into action, but first, Alan Kent wants to tell you about the way Kirkman Soapflakes go into action on your finest washables. Ladies, Kirkman Soapflakes are the kind you can trust for those things you prize so highly. For dainty washable silks, woolens, rayons, and nylons. You see, pure white Kirkman soap flakes are made of the same mild, gentle ingredients as most complexion soaps. When you use Kirkman soap flakes, your clothes last much longer than if you use flakes or soap which depend on harsh chemicals to do the cleaning job. And Kirkman soap flakes are especially nice for washing soft, dainty baby's clothes. They're nice for dainty hands, too. And of course, I know that in these times you are trying to economize, trying to use luxury products as sparingly as possible. But it's really economical to use luxury-type Kirkman soap flakes. Yes, it's thrifty to use Kirkman's not only for your finest things, but for dishes and regular laundry, too. For Kirkman gives you 40% more flakes than most other high-quality brands at no extra cost. I'll explain this later. But now... Roger's ready with the other rules of Can You Top This? Can You Top This is unrehearsed and spontaneous. Anybody can send in a joke. If your joke is read in this program by the well-known actor and storyteller, Peter Donald, you are credited with $11. Then each of our three gag specialists, Harry Hirschfield, Joe Laurie Jr., and Senator Ford, who have not heard your joke until Peter Donald tells it, gets a chance to top it with another joke on the same subject. Every time your joke is topped, your credit is topped by $2. If all three jokesters top you, Kirkman sends you $5 and a joke book. And everyone whose joke is told by Peter Donald gets a big gift package of six Kirkman soap products. Laughs are registered on the Kirkman laugh meter in full view of the studio audience. And in all cases, the decision of our judges is final. All right, gentlemen, are you ready? Ready. ready. That's fine. The first subject comes from John Ratcliffe of Fall River, Massachusetts. And the subject is restaurant. Or restaurants, eating places, Joe, you know. Yes. Beanery. Yeah. Now I know. Uh, Peter Donald, will you read uh, Mr. Ratcliffe's story, please? Well, Pat and Mike, who had just come to this country, went into a restaurant one day, and on the table was a big jar of horseradish. So Mike said, he said, I wonder what in the world that, that white stuff is there in the little pot. So he said, well, he said, uh, why don't you taste it and see so Mike took a big spoonful of the horseradish and he put it in his mouth. And, of course, the tears came streaming out of his eyes. <laughs> like this. Pat says, what are you crying about, Mike? He said, oh, I, I was just thinking about me poor old grandfather who was hanged in Ireland. He said, here, you taste the stuff. So Pat put the spoon in. He got a big mouthful of this stuff. And, of course, he started coughing and choking and the tears coming down his face. So Mike said, what are you crying about now, Pat? He said, I was thinking it's just so bad you wasn't hanged with your grandfather. 
That joke got 100 on the Kirkman laugh meter. 100 is the amount. The subject is restaurant or restaurants, and I see that Harry Hirschfeld had his hand up first. Well, this is a gag in two parts. I can use it in two parts. Uh, two Scotchmen went to, into a restaurant. Before they went in, they agreed not to tip, not to tip the hat check girl, get the cheapest meal. And when they sat down, they noticed that Sandy uh, was buttering the bread on both sides. And the waiters were looking at it, and the boss was looking, it was getting embarrassing. And finally, the other Scotchman says, Sandy, I never saw that before. What's the idea of buttering the bread on both sides? And he says, don't you think my lower lip likes butter, too? <laughs> well, there's another part. There's another part. So going out, it's the hat check girl. They got the stuff, and as they started out, he says, Sandy, you said you wouldn't give any tips. He says, you gave her 10 cents. I saw you give her, get it back. He says, shh, look at the coat she gave me. <laughs> that was, uh, you tied, uh, Mr. Ratcliffe's 100, but you did not top it, Harry. On both of them? Uh, no, the first one. Oh, you mentioned the first half. That was 74 and three quarters on the first half. But the second half got 100. Uh, it tied Mr. Ratcliffe. It didn't top. He still holds his own, still has $11. And uh, Joe Laurie has his hand up second. Well, this one is just making the rounds lately. It's about the refugee that came to this country, didn't have any friends, didn't know the language, and he got hungry. He went into a restaurant. He waited around. He didn't know what to ask for. He didn't know anything about English, so he... Looked at a man, and the man next to him says, bean soup, and he got bean soup. So he says, bean soup. Fellow brought him bean soup. He says, I've got to remember that, bean soup. So that night he went in for supper. He says, bean soup. So they gave him bean soup. This kept on for three weeks. That's all he knew, bean soup. And he got a little tired of bean soup. So he says, well, I'll wait for another fellow to order something. So a fellow next to him ordered a ham sandwich. So he says, uh, a ham sandwich. So the fellow says, how do you have it, buddy? Why the rye? So he looks up and says, bean soup. <laughs> that was very good, Joe. You got 80 on the Kirkman laugh meter. However, it didn't top Mr. Ratcliffe's 100, and so uh, he still holds his own. He still has $11. Senator Ford, are you in this round? Yeah. You know, we're doing uh, this without a beard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, with or without a beard, I'm going to tell this one. Uh, two newspaper reporters met. One was a, a bright, alert sort of a fellow and quite a kidder. And the other fellow was, uh, he was what is known as a news moocher. He's very lazy and used to go around and get news the easiest way. So he said to the brighter fellow, he said, uh, anything doing around the neighborhood? And the bright fellow said, uh, yeah, I just got a report that a fellow choked down in a restaurant down the street here. And the other fellow says, yeah? He says, uh, give me the lowdown. How did he choke? So the first fellow said, well, he was eating some horse meat, and somebody hollered, whoa. <laughs> Senator, that was 100 on the Kirkman laugh meter. That also tied Mr. Ratcliffe's 100. That one wild beard, didn't it? <laughs> However, since uh, none of you which has... Uh, that extra laugh, ladies and gentlemen, is... that not wearing a beard, uh, but the jokes are... Yeah, the... <laughs> Peter Donald is sporting a beard tonight. Not at all unbecoming, either. And a sporty beard. Sporty beard, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that also accounts for Mr. Uh, Hirschfield's remark about beard. <laughs> or as Joe says, beaver. <laughs> well, since none of you wits has topped Mr. Ratcliffe's 100, we send Mr. Ratcliffe $11 on that big Kirkman gift package. <laughs> this uh, next subject should be dear to you gentlemen's heart. It's why. 
You needn't look pained, Senator. I know you have a lovely and charming wife, and as I said before, she's a good cook. It comes from Roy Goff of Burlington, New Jersey. Will you read Mr. Goff's story, please, Peter? Well, a husband called the uh, Bureau of Missing Persons, and he told them that his wife was missing. Asked them to please look for her. And a few days later, the Bureau phoned the husband that they had found a woman who answered the description of his wife. So the guy was very relieved. He said, oh, I'm so glad to hear that you found her. He said, uh, what did she have to say? And they said, oh, she hasn't said a word. He says, brother, that's not my wife. That was uh, 32 <laughs> of the Kirkman Laugh Meter. <laughs> and I might add that the, for once the mug didn't get me more than 32. Both I think he shaves in the morning. <laughs> yes, I see. Well, the Kirkman Laugh Meter gave that story 32. The subject is wise, gentlemen. Well, Senator Ford had his hand right up. Yeah, I know all about wives. Well, anyway... Uh, no, you don't. Uh, <laughs> Dixie Baumwortles. When his first wife departed this mundane sphere for happier climes, Dixie shook his head very sadly and said, You know, Ella was a fine wife. She was always so thoughtful. Whenever we got into a fight, she always hit me on the head with the soft end of the broom. Well, Senator, that might... Su- this might... Su- <laughs> this might surprise you, Senator, but you talk, Mr. Goff. You've got 36. <laughs> 36. 36 in the Kirkman Laugh Meter. You topped him by four, and so we top away $2, giving him now $9. And uh, Joe Lurie had his hand up second, Harry. Well, the fellow's wife uh, didn't feel very well, so he called the doctor. And the doctor went into examiner. When he come out, he says, uh, what, what is it, doctor? What would you advise me to do? He says, well, he says, I'd advise you to send it to a warmer climate. He says, oh, I haven't got the heart to do it, doctor. But if you'll do the job, there's an axe behind the door. <laughs> 61 in the curtain, we'll me to Joe. 61, definitely top Mr. Hoffman. 32... <laughs> And so we top away two more dollars, giving him now seven dollars, and giving us now Harry Hirschfield. I got an ipsy-pipsy. <laughs> a woman went on... She was one of these fat mamas, and uh, she went on a diet. She became one of those martyrs. You know, everybody had to suffer along with her. She told everybody she was dieting and dieting. One day they caught her in a restaurant, and she had double orders of everything. Doubled uh, herring and double this and double that. Everything double a tremendous meal. Somebody said, I thought you were on a diet. She says, no wife should diet. I looked at the statistics. And you know what the statistics show? That nearly every woman who dieted to please her husband found out that he ran away with a fat woman anyhow. <laughs> 110 in the church for laugh later, Harry. 110. Well, uh, since all of you wits uh, have uh, topped Mr. Goff 32, we send Mr. Goff a joke book. But uh, $5 for sending in the story and that big Kirkman gift package. And a hair from Peter's beard. (laughs) Hair from Peter's beard, yes. Well, uh, uh, we're snip and tuck tonight. One for the customers and one for you, boy. Let's see how we go from here on in. Uh... This next subject comes from Mrs. Annie E. Smith of 
Bremo Bluff, Virginia. And the subject is also dear to your heart. Waiting, gentlemen. Waiting. Oh, I thought you said Remuneration, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Donald, will you read Mrs. Smith's story, please? Well, there was a very, very timid little guy named Brown, and uh, for a long time he wanted to ask his boss for a raise. And every morning he'd say, well, I'm going to ask him today. Now, no fooling. I'm going to get up and I'm going to tell him something. I'm going to tell him. And just then the boss would come along and the guy would get off right and he'd sit down and wouldn't say a word. So one morning, just as the boss came along, the fellow sitting next to Brown said, uh, hey, Brown, why don't you ask the boss what you said you were going to ask him? Go ahead. So the boss came over. He said, uh, yes, Brown, ask me what? He said, oh, well, um, boss, uh, uh, says, look here. I want more money or else. The boss said, or else what? He said, or else I'll work for what I'm getting now. <laughs> that story got 71 in the Kirkman Laugh Leader. 71 is the amount. The subject is wages, and Joe Laurie Jr. had his hand up first. Mamie and Aggie met. And Aggie says, hello, Mame. She says, are you still working down a beauty parlor? She says, no, I'm not. She says, gee, you made some swell wages there, too, didn't you? She says, yes, and tips. He says, what'd you leave for? She said, I didn't leave. They fired me. So what'd they fire you for, Manny? She says, well, I'll tell you. Some dame came in one day, and she wanted an egg shampoo. So I gave her the egg shampoo. And I guess I didn't rinse her hair very well, because when she walked home in the sun, an omelet broke out on her head. Eighty-one, Joe, on the Kirkman Laugh Meter. Eighty-one, top Smith, 71, so we chop away two dollars. He now has nine dollars. And uh, Harry Herschel had his hand up second. Pink has met a lawyer for the first time socially. So socially, he said to him at the club, he says, how does the international situation look? The lawyer said, very serious. And he sent him a bill for his fee, which was his wages, for 25 bucks for advice. He was awful sore about it. Next day, he meets him again, and he says, uh, is Buffalo near Canada? Well, I said, it is. So he sent him again a bill for $25. The next day, he met him, and he said, listen. <clears throat> he said, it looks like rain, but remember, I'm telling you, not asking you. One hundred and fourteen in the Kirkman lap leader. One hundred and fourteen, yes. Uh, you shot Mr. Smith seventy-one, so he chop away two dollars more, giving her now seven dollars. Yeah, there, there are all kinds of you know uh, uh, incomes. For example, wages, fees, non-rarium. Non-rarium is the same as wages, only more so. Well, anyway, there was a fellow by the name of Ossie Toopergills who. Uh, who was stuck on, on Screwball Jake's daughter, Elviry. So he went around to Jake's home one night to talk over the possibilities of taking a trip or the seas of matrimony. So Jake said, um, what is the uh, money situation with you come Saturday payday? Or in other words, what is your weekly stipend? So Ozzie said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I got a great future. He said, I'm learning to be an electrician for an entomologist. So Jake said, if I remember right, an entomologist is a guy who collects bugs. So Ozzie said, that's right. So Jake said, well, what does an electrician for an entomologist do? So uh, Ozzie said, I'm learning to put the electric light bulbs in lightning bugs. (laughs) 
Ninety on the Kirkman left me, the senator. Without the aid of the flower, it was ninety-two. That topped Mr. Smith's seventy-one, so we chop away another two dollars. And uh, since all of you wits have uh, topped Mrs. Smith, we send Mrs. Smith a joke book. Plus $5 for sending in the story in that big Kirkman gift pack. <laughs> well, uh, you're doing very well tonight, gentlemen, exceptionally well. There's another subject I know, I know you know something about, too, the theater. What's happened to it? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, don't you often wonder about your part in it? <laughs> yes, I do. Well, this and comes dream from... dream about it. You dream about it, I see. Uh, this comes from Mrs. Irene Dobre of Newark, New Jersey. And as I said, the subject is the theater. Peter Dowell, will you read Mrs. Dobre's story, please? Well, it seems that Jake Ginsburg had never been to the theater in all his life. He's just an easygoing guy, didn't like to go out much. So one night, sitting around the house, and his wife was looking at him, and finally she says, Hey, Jake, she says, Hey, she says, you know, I'm ashamed of you. She says, honest to goodness, she says, you sit around here every night like a big meatball. <laughs> she says, I'm tired of looking at you. She says, for, for goodness sakes, don't be a no good all your life. Why don't you go out to the theater at night and get a little culture, see the acting and everything. She says, all right, don't holler, so I'll go to the theater. <laughs> so he goes down to a theater to see a musical comedy, and of course he gets inside, and he thought it was wonderful. Oh, he walked around the lobby and he looked at all the chandeliers and the beautiful plush seats and all those fancy ushers, you know, saying, Step across the mezzanine seats on the home. I have a ticket from Vinny. <laughs> he says, Thank you, Admiral. I'll sit down right here, folks. <laughs> so he sits down there. In a couple of minutes, the orchestra comes out and they, uh, they play the overture to the show. And uh, he applauds the end of the overture. And as soon as they finish playing the overture and the play starts, he gets up and he goes home. So he gets home and his wife she says, Hey, she says, What's the matter, Papa? You're home so early. What's the matter? You didn't like the performance, uh, the show? The, you didn't have a good time? She said, Oh, I had a wonderful time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, she says, Did I enjoy? She says, Everything was wonderful. Everything was a number one ipsy pipsies. Wonderful. He says, Listen, he says, the, the theater was beautiful and the lights were wonderful and the music was gorgeous. And he says, then all of a sudden, the curtain went up and people came out and they started talking and it was none of my business, so I got up and went home. <laughs> well, uh, that went to the top of the Kirkman Lafayette. The top is 130, gentlemen. We go for the ride. 130, uh, not the ride. necessarily for the ride. If all of you, all three of you gentlemen can uh, get 130, you know, Kirk will be glad to send you some products. Delighted. Well, that's worthwhile. Yeah, so you can really try out. Harry Hirschfield put his hand up first. I like this dialogue. Two women are talking, and one says, My son is the biggest scenario writer in Hollywood. Such a scenario, he's the biggest. And she says, And your son? says, My son is a commentator in front of a burlesque theater. That's the ride. <laughs> oh, uh, no soap. Well, another gag. <laughs> that was 30, if you want to... No, nope. let's pass it on. You can tell another one if you wish, Harry. <laughs> I have a minute. Yeah, well, that was 30. It didn't I top Mrs. Mrs. Dobre's... <laughs> it didn't top Mrs. Dobre's 130, so she still holds her own naturally, $11. Uh, Joe Laurie had his hand up second. I always liked the one about the old fellow in the moving picture house. 
and he's down front, and he's looking around. He's making people get up, and they're looking around, and he lights matches, and finally the usher comes down. He says, what's the idea? What's the matter? What'd you do? Lose something? He says, yes, I lost a Carmel. He says, out of my mouth fell a Carmel. <laughs> he says, well, well, all, all this fuss for a Carmel? He says, yes, but my teeth were in it. <laughs> also hit the top of the curtain of that meter. You uh, tied Mr. Dobre's 130. He still holds her own, though, with $11. Senator Ford, uh, you're scratching your cranium there. Are you thinking up another 130 story for well, us? Well, no, I, uh, I was at a theatrical party the other night, and I told one that I think fits in here all right. You know, the first show I ever saw was a railroad melodrama called The Brakeman's Daughter or Fun in a Signal Tower. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> although I, I, I was a, although I was a mere stripling at the time, I, uh, I still retain all the scenes very vividly, especially the last act. That was a Lulu. It was a dark night. There was a terrible storm. The lightning flashed. The thunder roared. And the, the fast express was approaching a railroad bridge when the darn broke. You have to say Don. You can't say the other word on the radio, you see. <laughs> well, the darn broke. <laughs> the water cascaded down in torrents and, and washed away the railroad bridge. There was the fast express approaching, roaring toward the railroad bridge that was washed out with its human cargo of 90 souls and as many heels. And there was the... There was the railroad bridge washed away, the signal tower gone, no landings, in fact, nothing with which to signal the train, when out of the darkness dashed the brakeman's daughter. She rushed down to the track and waved the clothespin. The train approached. The engineer saw the clothespin in the beam of, the, of his headlight and stopped the train. Thus, the fast thinking of the brakeman's daughter averted a catastrophe. For every engineer knows that a clothespin is a sign of washout on the line. <laughs> That, uh, I that, got mine. I just thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> just thought of it. That, Senator, uh, almost blew the top off the Kirkman last meter. <laughs> too late for mine? 130. If it isn't too long, it's not too no. late. No. <laughs> this fellow, uh, son, uh, a son said to his father, he says, I'm an actor, father. So the father decided to got all his friends. They all bought tickets to see the show. When they came there, there was his son, a super, holding her gun. First act goes by, doesn't do a thing. Second act, he says, probably the second act, boys, you'll probably do something. Second act, he's still the super holding the gun. Still he doesn't. He says, must be the third act. Third act, he's still holding the gun. The curtain is just about getting done. The father hollers out, Sam, if they won't let you do anything, at least shoot off the gun. <laughs> Very good, Harry. No, no, no. The two of them gave you 130. All right. Since none of you went to stop Mrs. Dobre's, we send her $11 in that big Kirkman gift package. 
Well, gentlemen, it's time for the clown table discussion, and we'll give you about 60 seconds to sharpen your wits while Alan Kent finishes his story about Kirkman Soap Flakes. Ladies, Kirkman Soap Flakes are pure white, petals in, and as mild and gentle as most complexion soaps. Now, I want to be fair and admit that there are other pure white flakes that match Kirkman's in quality. But when it comes to economy, well, just listen. Most of the others come in small 12-and-a-half-ounce boxes. But the big Kirkman box holds 18 ounces. You get 40% more fine flakes, four extra cupfuls at no extra cost. This bargain is possible because the makers of Kirkman's frankly follow a policy of taking less profit and giving you more for your money. And because Kirkman's give you so much more, you can afford to do all your washing with these luxury-type flakes. Not only for your finest things, but dishes and regular wash, too. Why not resolve right now never to dip your hands in anything but complexion soap quality suds? Start using Kirkman Double Duty Soap Flakes tomorrow. Say, Alan, you, you ought to sing your commercials like so many other announcers yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, you, you could sing Kirkman Soap Flakes, hit this spot, 18 ounces, so what? <laughs> <laughs> or you could sing like that fellow Gaston singer's. I'm not about the good old Irkman <laughs> Yeah, or you, uh... It aches, Harry. It I aches. know it. <laughs> or you, you sing especially. <laughs> of course, you might sing, uh... <laughs> oh, oh, I, I wish I had some Kirkman flakes. The Snow White does. I want to take. Wash away, wash away, wash away, Kirkman flakes. Well, uh, boys? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I can honestly say I never heard singing like that before. Oh, thanks, Alan. Yeah, Much applause. Yeah, uh, about singing. Maybe it'll be better music to our listeners' ears if I mention the three valuable coupons on every box of Kirkman Soap Flakes. You can redeem them for a beautiful free <laughs> gift. A big special this spring is a beautiful ice lip jug for only 50 coupons. Start saving tomorrow with Kirkman Double Duty Soap Flakes. Thank you, Alan. Well, gentlemen, uh, how about that clown table discussion? Have you thought about it? Yeah. Uh, we've well, been uh... thinking of humor and stuff like that, you know. You know, most humor is about women. Marriage, matrimonial stuff, that's the biggest... Yeah, uh, matrimony isn't a joke either, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> and peculiarly, it isn't uh, professional humor. It isn't professional humor that talks about marriage and the institution of marriage. It's the people themselves that are married that kid this institution called marriage. Yeah, institution. That's what it is. But who wants to live in an institution all the time? You know, one of the gags of marriage that's one of the famous ones is the girl saying to the fellow, I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man on earth. He said, listen, if I was the last man on earth, you wouldn't have to. <laughs> I, like the, I like the one about the servant girl that applies for a job. She says she's a good cook. And the woman says, uh, you know anything about stews? She says, I should. I married one. Well, that stew thing kind of reminds me of one of the old babies has a beard longer than Peter's here. It's, uh, it's the one about the, the married man who used to get plastered so he'd see double and feel single. <laughs> Not a bad idea at that. One of the famous married gags is the fellow said, was that Bill's wife out with him last night? He said, no, he don't go out with married women. <laughs> I love the one the fella says, I wish they, the government starts an aluminum drive again so I could turn in the pot I married. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I suppose it's time for me to love one, too. You know, everybody, I love this one, I like that one. Uh, one fellow said to another, what would we be without women? The other fellow said about $5,000 a year better off. And remember the wife arguing with the husband? She says, you don't know what love is. He says, yes, I do. That's something the minister chucked in with honor and obey. <laughs> I, love, I love the one about uh, the fellow, uh, the woman says, how are you getting along with your husband? He says, oh, I got him eaten out of my hand. He says, ain't that great? It saves washing dishes, don't it? Well, gentlemen, I'm afraid that's all we have time for tonight in the clown table discussion, and thank you. And may I remind everyone listening in that you can match which with our three joke specialists by sending in one or more jokes to Can You Top This in Care of WOR New York. You win a cash prize and a Kirkman gift package if your joke, as told by Peter Donald, tops our three gag authorities on the Kirkman laugh meter. All jokes become the property of Can You Top This? And if two or more persons send in the same joke, the first one received is the one used. And please don't mind if we edit your joke. Incidentally, since we try to get a variety of subjects from week to week, jokes are sometimes held for several weeks. So if you sent in a joke a couple of months ago, don't be discouraged. It may still be read by Peter Donald. And so ends another session of Can You Top This? Brought to you by Kirkman Double Duty Soap Flakes. Safe for your finest washables, thrifty enough for dishes and family laundry, because there are four extra cupfuls in every box. Join us again next week, same time, same gang. Other jokes, some new, some old. Until then, we remain yours for bigger and better laughs. Edward Hastings Ford. Harry Herschler Hirschfield. <laughs> Joe, no middle name, Laurie Jr. <laughs> Beaver Donald. <laughs> and G. Roger Bauer. Mrs. Smith. Oh, Mrs. Smith, before you turn that dial, have you tried Kirkman Complexion Soap? 